0: Blog talk radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'.
1: Good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, January 23rd, 2017. I am bringing this message to you, or this podcast from you, from the Alaska Airlines Flight Club here in the Seattle Tacoma Airport. So, We do these all over the place. So, I ran into a conference room here. I apologize for the echoey sound that's in this room, but it is what it is. But it's good to have you join us. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals, it is for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Innovation Award from Progress in Lending. Appreciate our. Hot, our sponsors, we're going to get to them in just a minute, but I'm really looking forward to the Hot Topics segment where I did an interview, a pre recorded interview with Bill Cosgrove. He and I are, are both, and Alice are all flying to the Independent Mortgage Banking Conference in Palm Springs. <laughs> looking forward to, to get some nice weather. Although it's a little bit on the chilly side there for Palm Springs, unseasonable chilly, but for those of you that are going to be there, come on into the session on Wednesday at 1. Fifteen, Alice and I and Aaron D. and Bill Cosgrove are presenting about operational efficiencies, and it'll be a great session, getting a lot of people showing up for that session. We have several registered that are clients and people wanting to become clients that are just going to be showing up for that session to hear what we have to say. A lot to talk about. By saying this more and more throughout 2017, you'll be known more for your process the processes than your products or your pricing. So you better focus on your processes. That's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be doing some Hot Topic segments on that later on. But anyway, Bill Cosgrove will be on the uh, Hot Topic segment today. And uh, looking forward And we're talking about if, you, if This would be a great podcast For you to play to anyone who's thinking About getting into mortgage lending Or is thinking about Should I go from being an LO To owning my mortgage company we, Bill does a great job Again, this is pre-recorded So I know what he's saying uh, What he's going to be saying It does a great job Of really uh, providing A lot of great content For someone thinking about Making the journey Or going into that So Bill Cosgrove In the Hot Topic Stack Se- Se- segment Be sure to stay tuned All the way through four. Okay, Arch MI For those of you who are looking for an innovative new program. Again, we're going to be getting uh, some folks on with ArchMI. The merger is kind of heading the final stages with the United Guarantee uh, merger with ArchMI, and a lot going on, a lot of people moving around, some people being laid off, but overall it's going very well. We're pleased that they're going to continue to be a sponsor of the radio program. Remember, United Guarantee used to be their sponsor, and now ArchMI took over for their position, and they acquired our old sponsor. So it's like we have them all back in the one house have. So anyway, looking forward to it. But they have the innovative RateStar program. Encourage you to check that out. Also, Motivity Solutions providing real-time reporting and dashboard scorecards. Very important part of what should be a important part of every company's, you know, many way they manage their business. I don't know how people do it without it. Then Velma, we're very glad to have them as a sponsor. And uh, most efficient way to do email marketing. It's a great platform, and we'll talk more about that later. Simplifile, a real time electronic communication exchange, and uh, that is that we're so pleased with our partnership with them. They do a good job getting the word out about our radio program and working with them, and we've turned a number of clients onto them, and every one of them come back and say, that is the best referral day. We're really pleased with the relationship. Also, the Mortgage Collaborative, power of the network. We're proud members of that, and uh, very pleased with what John Robbins, David Kittle, uh, Gary Acosta, Jim Parks, and the whole team there are doing at the Mortgage Collaborative. D&H, moving your world forward through technology. They have been around a business for 140 years, 5,500 employees, and eight uh, with 8,000 clients in 70 countries. Pretty impressive what they do. should check out their all-in-one LOS platform as well as their what their answer is to the mobile solution. It's a mobile-ready app that works seamlessly with all of their LOS products. Very powerful. Very effective. Check them out at dh.com or call them at 1-800-815-5592. Great group of people, and no, that's some excellent technology. And uh, the best part is they're solid, well, uh, solid financially and been around for, like I said, 140 years. Or so can't go wrong with that. All right, a couple MBA conferences. Oh, we've already talked about the Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference that we're at this week, all flying us into La Quinta in Palm Springs. And uh, gathering together, are going to be talking about a host of topics, all of which are related to the Independent Mortgage Banker. Hope to see you there if you're there. Look us up. Look forward to seeing you again. We're doing the Wednesday session at one fifteen. Then also February first, the Austin Mortgage Bankers Lunch. Oh, wait a minute! I keep skipping over the. Um, it's the uh, January thirtieth uh, TMB Secondary Marketing Conference, and that conference is going to be held in Austin. And I am the morning or the opening keynote speaker for that conference. And if you're going to be there, we're talking about some economic updates. I uh, got a lot of collected, a lot of that data through this program. And then got some newest, latest up numbers um, from the MBA. So we'll be we're giving those. And also, then what should you be thinking about as we move into 2017? Hint, I will be talking about process. It's going to be my new theme and uh, throughout this year, then on February 1st, I'm the keynote speaker at the Austin Mortgage Banker's Luncheon at the Austin Country Club. If you're there, loved, if in the area, look, can make it by, I'd love to talk to you and see you. We're working and talking about goal setting at that conference or at that luncheon and meeting. Then February 14th through the 17th, the National Mortgage Servicing Conference that the MBA is putting on. That is up at the Gaylord Texan in the Grapevine area of Tech, Dallas area. Then February 22nd through the 23rd, the MBA's Mergers and Acquisition Workshop, two days sponsorship. Chuck Klein and is going to be speaking, my good friend Chuck Klein, Andy Schell's partner, and uh, just a solid amount of content going on there. And I'm moderating the second day session, and where it's, you know, there's just a, some of the top 18. Players are talking on the panel on that one. I'm really looking forward to moderating that. City, they're taking as many notes as I will be asking questions as the moderator. Then March 1st through the 1st, we have the Mortgage Collaborative Winter Conference. That's in Scottsdale. Looking forward to seeing all of our friends there. For more information about conferences, check them out at the MBA Conference as an Education. And while you're there, sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. Let's go over to Joe Farr. Joe, good to have you on the podcast. And uh, I had a chance to look at the markets. What's going on today?
2: Well, I I think this is mostly Trump related. Uh we're yeah, up nicely right. today and um uh, it was interesting to read over the weekend how people have developed uh, their their computer-based trading to to read tweets and respond immediately to what effect the true tweets might have on the on the market. So uh, today, as as uh, speeches were being made or, or uh, comments were being made and executive action was being signed, the the market didn't seem to like much the message, which was a very uh, a questionable message about uh, global trade. Uh, the first couple of executive orders that he's uh, announced today had to do with both uh, the TPP, the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and NAFTA, and, and plans to, one, get out of TPP and yeah. to renegotiate NAFTA. And, yeah, it's got to raise questions with global uh, businesses as to what impact that might have on, on their tradability. And, and uh, you know, it's surprising. We're, we're up uh, 12, 30 seconds uh, on MBS, which seems like a bit yeah. more of a reaction what the stock market doing. The stock market, Dow's only down 50 points. So uh, you would have thought with one being up with MBS being up as much as it is, the stocks would be off a little bit more, but uh, but they're not. So, um, yeah, you know, and I guess we're in for that for a long period of time, right, as, yeah. as, uh, as the market reacts to whatever he might say. Uh, so, you know, last week, it wasn't Donald Trump that was causing the market to move, but other uh, central figures were. You know, uh, last week, Uh, MBS fell about 50 basis points, so it wasn't a great week for mortgage rates. You know, it started out pretty well. Uh, On Tuesday, uh, the British Prime Minister, Theresa May, laid out plans for exiting uh, the European Union, so Brexit's back in the news. And in her plan, she uh, declared that their effort would be to um, not be part of the uh, single market and, and as a result of that, I think businesses have concerns about what might happen in the negotiation of trade agreements between Great Britain and the European Union and, and others, as it relates to uh, to trade, and uh, that sent a little concern through the markets. And MBS improved as a result of the uncertainty. Most of that, in fact, all of that benefit was then reversed, and then some as a uh, as Wednesday and Thursday came along, and Fed speakers started uh, being in the in the mark in the news, on Wednesday to start off, uh, uh, Fed President uh, Kaplan from the Dallas region made comments about uh, uh, about the balance sheet. You know, we've talked about the concern I have, and I think others have, as it relates to when that becomes the focus of Fed policy. It's been a while since. Uh, uh, that has had much of an influence on the market, but I believe on, on Wednesday as uh, uh, Kaplan made comments that it might be time to start thinking about reducing the balance sheet. Uh, that was mm-hmm. concerning for MBS, and MBS yeah. fell on his news. Uh, later in the day, Fed Chairman Yellen, our chair at Yellen, uh, made comments that uh, indicated – Maybe a faster ramp up in the fed funds rate than what the market had previously expected. So that was not good for, uh, mortgage rates MBS prices. And then on Thursday, Fed chair Yellen made a similar comment about the balance sheet. And so, you know, with, with both those guys, both she and, and Kaplan making comments about the balance sheet, it, it is something that I think that we're going to start hearing more of as we, uh, get into the next few meetings. Uh, None of which is good for bonds. None of which no. is good for mortgage rates. Um, and, and so, for the week, uh, MBS prices fell about fifty basis points, and so you know, mortgage rates were up, you know, six eight basis points. Then, uh, then this week we don't have. Well, who knows who's going to be saying what anymore as it relates to what might move the market. But from economic perspective, the Week starts out tomorrow with existing home sales. A small drop is expected. Uh, Then on uh, Thursday, new home sales comes out, and they're expected to be about the same as November. These are December measures. Uh, First quarter, first look at fourth quarter GDP comes out on Friday, and uh, then durable orders and consumer sentiments also on Friday. So, yeah, a a few pretty significant events uh, on the calendar for this week.
3: Yeah, no
1: kidding. So and. this I think is going to have more volatility. If you let go back and listen to that podcast that uh, I'm telling this all our listeners uh, that Les Parker's that he gave at the beginning of the year it talks about a lot going to be a lot of volatility, and in that volatility there's both opportunity and risk, and so we got to have services like NBS QuoteLine to be able to manage this, or you guys are going to be just in trouble. So it's so affordable, Joe. What is the what is the cost for? At this point, it's just ridiculously low for the amount of data. 44
2: 95 a month on a simple month-to-month basis.
1: Whoa. Are you serious? All that information for that price, what a value. Really serious. How can, I mean, you could make that back. You could pay for the whole year just in one market move. And, uh, and anyway, I can go on and on about it. But for folks, <laughs> okay. just so you can stay tuned and learn how to do it, so listen to this ad. We're going to be right back after this brief break.
3: Looking for that competitive edge? MBSQuoteline.com MBSQuoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lincoln on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Good to have you with us, everybody.
1: And it's good to have Paul wallow back. He took the week off last week, you know, out there... Doing uh, doing his. I didn't
4: take the week off. I just took Monday off, and as most. Oh, that's Washington right. You took
1: Monday. <laughs> well, you know what, you
4: yeah. know. Martin Luther King Day, my friend.
1: Yeah, I know. It's good that you honor him. Was, you know, many of us have to. The rest of us have to do it, but I'm glad you did that. I have tremendous respect for that leader. But speaking of a leader, you are one, and you bring us many good headlines. Unfortunately, I'm sitting here at the Seattle Tacoma Airport, dialed in. I don't have. Can't look at all my. I don't have all my screens to look at, so you have to walk us through. I'm really interested to hear what's in the headlines, and especially with some of the Trump tweets and how that's impacting and what's going on. You must be picking up a lot of news. What's what ah. all this could mean?
4: <laughs> well, uh, you know, the big story last week was the uh, FHA right MIP cut being scuttled. We we'd gotten wind of that early and, and had some um, alerts and, and reports on our website about that. But, uh, you know it's funny uh, and that's not one of the stories today. We'll probably be doing another follow up tomorrow. You know a lot of people are like, you know, oh, you know we think we you know we you know we're sorry, but it's not gonna make a huge difference in the market but and then there's also a school of thought that says uh they might yet roll it back depending on you know their study of it and whatever. So, you know, it may not be a a, um, a dead story yet. So let's see what happens.
1: So stay tuned um, to that one. That's going to be Yeah, fluid, stay huh?
4: tuned. We'll see. We'll see. Interesting. Uh, you know, the other thing people are waiting for, you know, who's going to be the deputy um, HUD secretary, who's going right. to head Ginny May, who's going to head FHA. And this administration is a bit behind on its appointments. Uh, from what we can tell, and maybe it's because you know, maybe really <laughs> they didn't expect to win. And they they weren't putting feelers out. You know, they weren't put. I mean, Hillary Clinton, from what everyone hears, is that she had everyone she had everyone pick for every job the day uh, you know she got an office. But lo and behold, obviously she yep. did not get an office. And you know, I'm sure the Trump people had put feelers out, but uh, they probably didn't realize how many. Maybe they didn't realize how many positions they had to fill. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a different story. Uh, the lead story, by the way, is about. FHA and VA, and it has to do with their default rates. Uh, they apparently jumped up a bit uh, in the 30 to 60 day late category uh, and also in the 60 to 90. Now, you know, that blip uh, uh, uptick, what does it mean? Uh, you know, we'll see. Could be seasonal, could be this, could be that. Uh, it takes a little while, but you know, let's face it, Ginny Mae is a huge program now. They got one64 billion dollars in outstanding and non-banks have a huge market share unlike, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. So we'll see. But number two story, uh, you know, Fannie and Freddie uh, earnings preview. uh, Interesting. They had a phenomenal quarter in MBS issuance. And lo and behold, uh, once the election happened in mid-November, rates started ticking up big time. And the big news on that is when rates tick up, it usually means Fannie and Freddie do not, will not take large hits to their hedging instruments, the derivatives, which means their earnings should be better, and you couple that with a strong m b s issuance and they're gonna have they should have a pretty good fourth quarter and that's that could be combined five billion five point five billion uh in earnings for the fourth quarter, and all that money goes to the uh the new white House and the uh, you know their treasury department, and they could figure out what they're gonna do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, those dividend payments usually don't come until later, I believe, in the in the first quarter. Uh, and the other story is everyone in the industry knows, Family and Freddie run out of capital. The capital buffer goes away in 2018, and we'll see what kind of progress is made on GSE reform. Uh, Deep Haven, uh, they're one of the larger non-prime, non-QM lenders. We talked to Matt Nichols there briefly late last week, and he told us uh, they bought $550 million in non-prime Non-QM loans, he's expecting a good year. He didn't really want to tell us too much on what kind of year he, he expects for 17 but he's expecting a good year. Uh, so that's on the website as well. Uh, bad news for servicers, some new uh, numbers have come out. Uh, from Black Knight, I should say, bad news for specialty services. The good news is that foreclosures are way, way down. They way, way 31. down. Here. Oh, yeah, it's. I mean, that's not surprising. Anyone in the industry knows that uh, delinquencies and foreclosures are down. But any any specialty service out there that make their living uh, on problem loans, that's not. Uh, you know, it's not a good thing for their business model, but it's a good thing for the nation at large, and the industry. Uh, we have a little bit about uh, past FHA commissioner, Brian Montgomery, talking about common standards for uh, FHA and VA and the GSEs. Brian, by the way, we should point out, as some people know, he's up for maybe a job at HUD, maybe Gini president, who knows. Um, it's all chatter at this point. We do know he did meet and have lunch uh, with uh, Ben Carson, the presumptive uh, HUD secretary. And I think his vote, uh, Carson's that is is in the confirmation tomorrow. It's confirmation, but I think it's tomorrow.
1: That's why I thought, thought too.
4: um, So that is all the essentials. Uh, We have a short take section uh, with some bits and tidbits and whatnot there, including another big multifamily MBS from Freddie Mac. So uh, that's about it for
1: today. Well, one of the things I'm really interested in is the news story. uh, I mean, I don't want to have you release information before your article goes out, but to the extent that you can give our listeners kind of tease what we might be anticipating, uh, if there is, if they're going to re-roll roll it back, uh, or however you going to characterize it, um, if you could give us any insights on that, because that, I mean, people are pl- preparing their an- a lot of annual meetings going on. Some have done their annual planning, but yeah, any thoughts on that, Paul, based on the scuttlebutt and uh, rumors? That-
4: yeah. well, you yeah, know, listen, uh, everyone was planning for the cut, it Was was going to happen January 27th, and then of course got killed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the interesting things about that when you get into it was that you have a lot of the consumer disclosures to make. And you got to tell them, you know, the cut's coming and this and that, and then you got to tell them the cut's (laughs) not coming. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to predict. Uh, You know, listen, uh, the Trump, you know, Trump shoots from the hip and, um, you know, we'll see how many of his his cabinet – um, Secretaries uh, shoot from the hip. It's you know you can't predict this administration. Uh, if anything, we've you already learned. You know uh, you can't. Um, it's you know uh, it's it's the wild west. <laughs> so yeah, yeah you know, it is. Chaos. Yeah. You know you've heard of chaos theory. This is chaos management. That's how I see it. So you know well, whatever you're expecting, don't expect it. Uh, don't expect. So, it yeah, you can't plan <laughs> yeah. until it's, well, it's in ink. Well, it's
1: a great. You got a great website for those that are looking, trying to figure, stay up with what is latest going on. You're close to the Beltway, but you are definitely. You're, you're, while you're just outside the Beltway, you definitely stay uh, dialed in. Uh, you and the team there are just phenomenal at that. So, kudos to you, the stories, and have a great year last year. We're all going to be really hanging on what you're learning now as we look forward to this very interesting year. But thanks for joining us today. Recommend everyone get signed up for the IMF News. Newsletter can land in your email box. Go out to imfnews.com and sign up for the newsletter at the bottom of the page. Good to have you with us, Paul. Appreciate it so much. Have a good week. You betcha. Folks, we're going to be right back right after this brief break. Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-E.
4: SimpliFile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents, as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to SimpliFile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657.
1: You know what, Alice is traveling. I talked to her. She was going to try to join in, but she said, you know, as much traveling as I do, you'd think I'd be able to coordinate these uh, these layovers to work with the radio program, but she couldn't. She also was going to try to record a segment. She's just left the Minneapolis airport, flew out. She's meeting me again in Palm Springs. I uh, trying to get some updates, especially with the latest uh, on the HUD, and so she said she will be commenting on it. She's doing some research. I thought it would be interesting to share with you the my meeting that I had and um, – with Ben Carson that I met when I met with him. We were both going on Fox at different times. I've mentioned on the radio before. Uh, And also for those of you that follow me on Facebook, if you don't and you want to, send me an invitation, David Lickin, David Lickin, L-Y-K-K-E-N, most of you know that. He's <laughs> the program uh, on Facebook, and uh, you can look at some of the comments on it. Um, I've got some phone calls into them. They've got some phone calls into me. No, I've, there's no consideration for any positions there. I wouldn't, I'm not interested. I love what I do as a consultant. But we're going to definitely have the opportunity to be uh, having word in or having conversation more dialogue. Again, we've had dialogue because of the radio program, the content of the radio program. And the reach of the radio program, we do have a lot of contact within HUD and uh, we're going to continue to do so and uh, continue to reach in and hoping our relationship that uh, I established in the green room there at Fox will give us access to the HUD secretary himself. Um, very guarded in what he says, very warm and genuine if you take a look at the Facebook post uh, where he's being his confirmation here, uh, I think we're going to anticipate a much stronger HUD Secretary than many would have otherwise uh, thought. People say, well, he's a surgeon. He's a brain surgeon, smart guy. But I mean, that certainly doesn't qualify him to run HUD. You have to go back and take a look at his background. He grew up in Section 8 housing. His mom could have taken welfare, gone on welfare, but because of her stance, her own belief system, she really refused to do that, held down three, four jobs. It was, you hear the story, it's very inspirational to see what Ben Carson grew up in. But he grew up in Section 8 housing. He was, I mean, uh, you just got to go listen to that story. Google it, Ben Carson's story uh, and his testimony. It's all over the Internet out there. And it's very touching, and I think that's what you're going to see. A very warm person who cares about it, very intelligent, and I suspect he knows a little bit more about the inner workings um, of what's going on in HUD than a lot of people might otherwise think because he grew up. In Section 8 Housing. So, with all of that, I'm anticipating and uh, very excited about him as the HUD Secretary. And I believe the policies will be well thought out. And he definitely is surrounding himself with good counsel. He's reached out to Brian, he's reached out to others. And um, we definitely will look for the opportunity to be sharing things with him and our thoughts as we continue to uh, do what we love doing, and that's consulting to the industry. And I'm never going to change that. I just love what we're doing. But uh, just some insights into that. He, uh, I anticipate that we could see that roll back, as Paul's alluded to, um, and we're going to get some more insights into it. I've got calls into his office, and I'll, I'm sure he'll be very guarded, especially when I'm being on the Fox as I am, as well as having the radio program. He'll be somewhat guarded, but hopefully we'll get a chance to Get him on and talk specifically about his plans. So that's what we're going to be planning as we move forward. Uh, I'm very excited to. Um, Alice is traveling, so we're not going to be there, but we're going to be doing the presentation with Alice. Uh, and I encourage you, if you're at the conference, to swing by our session. We're going to take another ad break. We've got the Prophet Doctor on. We've got Sam Garcia. We're going to actually go to Sam after the ad break, and then we will be back with uh, in just a few moments with. Pa, Sam Garcia. Let's be right back after this break.
3: If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support portfolio, conventional or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge.
0: The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to MortgageCollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440-552-0691. The power of the network.
1: Good to have you back, everybody. We've got Sam Garcia on the phone. So, Sam, give us a rundown on some of the things you're looking at. It's just always interested in getting your take on uh, the tweet. The, some would say the tweet monster, the tweet guy. So, what's the reaction to the markets and what you got for us today?
5: Hey, well, um, I heard you talking with, with Paul about Jenny, and uh, we interviewed – I interviewed Jenny, uh, President, outgoing president, Ted Tozer, yeah. last week, and that story will be published later today, but he had some pretty interesting insight. You know, this is a guy that worked at National City uh, at the height of the financial crisis, so he saw what was going down before that company had to be taken over. Um, while he was there um, – Then Federal Housing Commissioner uh, David Stevens, who now of course serves as CEO of NBA, called him to say he was on the list, on everybody's list to run uh, Jenny. Uh, And so, you know, of course he got that. And it was interesting uh, that he was chosen because he's not really a political person, he says. So, uh, anyway we'll have that full story it's very interesting he's got an interesting background um, the mortgage bankers uh, Association put out its forecast and basically the what we uh, you know what's changed is that its first quarter refinance projection was cut to 132 billion from 140 billion expected um, last and last month's outlook um, and that had the effect of lowering uh, overall uh, outlook for all you know purchase and financing uh, for this year to 1.5 5.63 trillion from 1.571 trillion expected last month. So of course, I'm you know I'm sure everybody expects lower refinances as rates continue to climb. Though of course they've been kind of improving lately, so we'll see where that goes. Um, over at uh, Fannie Mae, their economists cut this year's refinance outlook to 510 billion from 520 billion they expected in November, or I'm sorry, in December, and the but, but what they also did was they raised their purchase money uh, forecast for this year. Uh, Snudged it up to 1.058 billion from one point, or, uh, trillion. I mean from 1.053 trillion. So uh, Fannie expects a little bit more purchases. I expect that we're going to see that purchase uh, outlook and all of these and all of these forecasts go up as you know, some lenders, uh, instead of just abandoning the lost business from refinances, try to make it up somehow. Um, As you know, we're in the midst of quarterly earnings season, which we derive much of our origination data from. And one constant that we're seeing in these reports is a significant decline in fourth-quarter mortgage applications, which points to a big drop in first-quarter originations this year. Um, At lenders that we covered during the past week, there is really no consistency with whether volume increased or decreased from the third quarter. For instance, at SunTrust, uh, their originations were up 2% from the third quarter to $8.7 billion in the fourth quarter. Over at First Republic, they had an 8% bump. Looking better uh, to 3.5 billion, and and Citizens Financial pushed up business by 2% to 2.2 billion. But then on the other side of that is U.S. Bank, where volume fell 7% to 14 billion. City uh, City's volume fell uh, 14% to 5.6 billion. BB&T was down 17% to $5.2 billion. PNC was down 3% to $3 billion. and PRMI, who we just put out their story today, was down 14% uh, to $1.5 billion. So that's, you can see some of the variance there, some up, some down between third and fourth quarter. Um, Let's see. Moving on, we've got. Uh, uh, oh wait, Paul already covered that, so I won't cover the delinquency. But our uh, our mortgage market index, an indication of upcoming originations based on rate lock activity, open close fell 7% last week, um, but that's not so bad, given that the week included the Martin Luther King holiday and we don't make seasonal adjustments. Um, The biggest drop was with refinance business, which fell 12%. But despite the holiday, um, arm business and jumbo business was was stronger. Um, A popular story last week that we put out was that we got an alert from Funding Shield indicating that Fidelity National Title had been suspended by the state of California, Huge deal. But uh, Fidelity quickly, you know, we got a hold of them and they quickly uh, remedied the situation and provided proof that they'd been reinstated. And uh, the state indicated that it was uh, some sort of error. So, anyway, they're all fine now, but it uh, did catch everybody's attention when we put that out. Uh, one last thing I wanted to uh, uh, mention here was that we got the FHFA report on GSE refinances, and th- that volume was up 5% in November. Um, to a three-year high. So November hmm. uh, so far is a peak. Maybe December we'll see the same because, of course, there's always a little delay in, in GSE activity versus the actual origination date. But um, anyway, so um, that that was up 5% in November, and that was driven by Freddie Mac. Uh, Fannie wasn't quite as strong in, in November. So those are some of the good headlines we had over the last week. Of course, there's a lot more that we covered, but uh, those are the ones that were most interesting good for the moment. Yeah, good stuff. You always got great stuff. I encourage people to
1: check out your website and uh, subscribe to this service. Valuable information, and the data is just second to none for what you can get for the cost. It's just very, very affordable. Check it out at mortgagedaily.com or call Sam Garcia at 214-521-1300 or email him, Sam Garcia at mortgagedaily.com. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it very much. Appreciate it, Dave. Thanks. Always fun. Stay warm. <laughs> talk to you soon. All right, folks, we're going to run over to Jim Jump, who is Arch MI's Arch Mortgage Insurance's Chief Marketing Officer, and learn more about their new – well, it's not so new anymore, uh, but it, it, it's a very effective RATESTAR program. Jim?
6: Hi, David. Thanks for having me on, and we're happy to be a proud sponsor of the program. And today I'd like again to talk about RATESTAR from Arch Mortgage Insurance. RateStar is a revolutionary tool that allows mortgage originators to dynamically price mortgage insurance and match coverage to Archemy's most competitive rates. And that's important because it allows you to compete more effectively, qualify more borrowers, and of course, close more loans. That's the power of RateStar. Originators from around the country are letting us know just how quick and easy RateStar is to use. And all you need is your NMLS number, and you can access RateStar anywhere, anytime, using multiple points of entry, including most LOS systems, product and pricing engines, and through our websites at archmi.com and archmicu.com for credit unions. And of course, it's available through our mobile app for smartphones and tablets. RateStar makes it easy to choose what type of mortgage insurance covered your loan needs. You just touch, tap, and go. Quotes are delivered in seconds and represent our most competitive ArchMI rates based on the strength and quality of the loan application. And I have to tell you, David, getting a mortgage insurance quote has never been so powerful or so simple. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you and say thanks. Have a great day, everybody.
1: Excellent. So good. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. I know all that's going on there at ArchMI and United Guarantee with the merger. But good luck on that. I know you guys are doing well and uh, moving through the process, getting hopefully close to the end of it. Let's get over to the Profit Doctor. Many of you are well acquainted with all that's going on in the accounting area. And the profit doctor is in the house and ready to give us an update and give remind, friendly reminder of all the things we should be thinking about during this busy, unusually busy season, especially for the county departments. Andy, good to have you here, friend.
7: Hey, Dave. Thanks. It's always great to be on Licking on Lending. Well, I'm going to give you the quick rundown, and then I'm going to talk about some of these items. So it's year end. We've got deadlines coming up: January, February, March. And we've got 1098s, 1099s, W2s, Humda, NMLS, FC, Audit, 401k, 5500. And if for our public companies that we support, we've got earnings releases and 10k filings, which is annual report. So, blah, all that is all happening right now to all of the accounting departments. So, just a couple of points on some of these things. On the 1098s, This is where you tell the IRS and the customer that you received interest from them. And we receive interest from customers when a loan's closed and they pay purchase interest. We also received interest from a customer when they make their first payment to us. So even if we're servicing released everything, you still have 1098s to do. Now, there's a minimum amount of 600 or more, but for the most part, that's pretty much any loan and the other thing of this is that customers are going to be calling to ask you, hey, how much how much interest did I pay? So it's it's always good to send 1098s out, mortgage statements out for all of the customers. And so one interesting point about this, for all of our loans that closed in December, we've got a 1098 that's due on the interest collected at closing. Let's say they make a first payment. Well, the interest in the first payment isn't going to be reported until the 2017. 1098s are produced next January 2018. So this is a complicated process to track and just make sure we're on on top of all the details. One quick important update on 1098s, there's new fields that are required as of 1116 for the 1098. And that includes the loan balance. We've heard several people talk about how their 1098 vendors were not prepared for the change. If Alice were on the call, she would be uh, yeah. chiming in here because the fact that these vendors don't prepare for changes that are known years in advance is a bit mind numbing. But we're dealing right now with vendors who were not prepared for the update. Amazing. Uh, same thing on 10, so some, same, same thing, 1098. So those are people we pay money to, for $600 or more. All the vendors that are not corporations have to be paid. We also have Humda coming up. So, a quick point about Humda, David, and I'm going to keep this short. On Humda, that's where we report our LAR, our loan application register. And as a as an example, in Encompass, there are eight fields that track borrower and co-borrower race. And on the Humda, you have to submit the race information, but you can only have one field. So the export from Encompass comes out with eight fields. The Humda report and the Humda testing software all only has one field. So you you've got to make the data work, but you've got to run if then statements. So there's coding that has to be done to make the whole thing work. And our team is actually busy right now helping people get their HMDA data ready. So all that's happening right now. And then W two is coming out. And then we got our audit. We got our schedules for our audit coming up. And if you're not a Fannie, Freddie, Ginny, dollar, so you don't or haven't yet filed your NMLS financial condition report, that's coming up. You've got to get that in in March, and we have to get the audit in in March, or we potentially could have our FHA HUD approval uh, suspended. So, man, Dave, there's a lot happening in the A lot of going
1: on, Andy. Man, yeah, important stuff. I mean, it is a bit mind-numbing, as you said, that some still are not there. I mean, it's just uh, it's a little bit surprising, but, you know, there are services like yours that are out there, companies out there that like yourselves who are out there can help you. So don't try to be – don't be freaking out. Take out the phone and call Andy Shell and the excellent team <laughs> of top people there at Mortgage Banking Solutions. Love the firm. I was a partner in it, and I'm very proud of the ongoing, continued friendship and relationship with these guys. Great job, Andy. I always appreciate you having you on. Love Thanks, it. Dave. You bet. Keep all up the pleasure. good work. You're doing well. We keep hearing about you all over the place. I know you're traveling constantly, and it's, uh, it's really good to see how well you guys are doing. So continued success, friend.
7: Thank you. You too.
1: All right, talk to you soon all right everybody we 're going to move on into the hot topic segment, but before we do, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Terry Sellers who is the producer of the program and has been for a while doing an excellent job. love working with Terry um, and she has been running the show behind the scenes, as I said here in the Flight Club in uh, Seattle and so a big thank you to Terry for uh, running the program and doing an excellent job, staying on top of all of this. You never know when to p- hit the play button on these ads and, 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 and the sponsor ads. You just never know it because you never know if I might come up with one more thought. I'm usually doing and pressing those buttons, but she does a great job, so kudos to you, Terry. I had the privilege of catching up with someone I admire much, and that is Bill Cosgrove. I caught up with him late last week, and we pre-recorded the segment because he's traveling, and uh, we're all heading into the NBA conference. And I have to go catch a flight. So uh, get on my flight down to Palm Springs. So we pre-recorded it. And I'd like to have that played right now. Have a great week, everybody. But listen to the Hot Topic segment and the interview with Bill Cosgrove. And then, of course, as you'll say at the end of the program, I'll look forward to having you back next week. So here's the interview I recorded last week with Bill Cosgrove. Folks, I'm really excited to have Bill Cosgrove, the president, CEO, founder, owner of Union Home Mortgage, with us on the call today. We're talking about IMBs. Bill Cosgrove, when he was the president of the, I mean, the Mortgage Bankers Conference, started the Independent Mortgage Banking Conference, and that's what we're all flying into. Palm Springs this week to attend. So uh, while we're, we're catching Bill before this conference, and we're going to be playing these as recorded comments, but it's in line with, and the focus of this interview is to talk about independent mortgage bankers, and I can't think of a better example than Bill Cosgrove. So Bill, welcome to the program again, my friend.
8: Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm happy to be here.
1: Always fun to have you on the program and inspirational for and you're a tremendous leader for the industry. You were past president of the NBA. You had so many you've done so much for the industry. And I'm hoping your comments today, Bill, will be able to inspire those considering getting in the industry as well as those that are growing and wanting to open their own company and the journey you've had. So let's get into that. So what drew you to mortgage lending? Did you wake up one day and you'd been doing something else and it came as an epiphany, or did it really come at a younger age that you said, no, mortgage banking is a career I think I really want to select and pursue?
8: Well, actually, David, it's it's a great question. So it takes me back – to uh, the story would start about 1994 or I'm sorry 1984 Um, I actually came through the 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 front door of the mortgage business through real estate so I had my real estate license
7: okay Believe
8: it or not when I was 20 22 21 to 22 years old uh, I had my real estate license and uh, I started out back in those days with one of those gold jackets Uh, (laughs) uh, It's Century 21, (laughs) 21, and and you've got a, you know, many many of your listeners may not uh, remember that those days and those uh, those gold jackets. But uh, (laughs) I had one of those gold jackets, and I came in the business through real estate, uh, and and back in those days, uh, everything was done by hand. The good, what was then called the good faith estimate application, everything was handwritten um the uh, truth in lending believe it or not was hand written uh and we got them right by the way we got them right we did the math right and we we got them right uh so i actually came through um the person that was getting a, a vast majority of the mortgage business a mortgage banker um asked me to uh after getting to know me for a year or two asked me to get to to try the, mor- the mortgage side of the business okay. and uh i told him no and then i, I said yes and uh Uh, as a as work it's 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 in a passion it's been love ever since so i came through the real estate industry to to the mortgage industry
1: what was it that he said that said you know what i may want to make that you said first said no but what made that shift what was the the attraction was it the money was it the opportunity what was it
8: It, so it's interesting that and i've said this um, when asked uh, i've answered it the same way every time so I looked at it and if you were if you're a great real estate agent, uh you may in, be involved in three or four transactions a month. If you sell uh, list or sell right. one home a month, or I'm sorry, one home a week, yes. uh you're you're considered a superstar loan officer. Well, back in those days, uh if, if you a superstar loan officer closed 20 loans a month. So mm-hmm. for me, it you you were either involved in four transactions a month. In um, helping four people, so to speak, four families a month, or you can help 20. So, in my mind, I felt it, it didn't take long for me to realize that the impact was so much greater as a loan officer, in my mind. The responsibility of helping people through the financial aspect to purchase a home. Um, was was so much greater and I just felt the personal reward worth working with so many people um, was just so much greater so the impact and and the feeling you had in the feeling of, of being part of something good and self-worth in uh, the experience was just so deeper and, and richer sort of speak from a from a personal standpoint a professional standpoint is a is back in those days as a loan officer um, versus a realtor and that's nothing to, to disparage realtors right. in any way, shape or oh, form. Yeah. But for because they're, they're our are friends and we, we've done great business with them for years. But for me personally, um, it, it just when when that switch when I realized that about six months into being a loan officer, uh, I really knew I found my, my passion for, for life. And so that, that that's to me was the distinction.
1: You know, that's, it's a great point. It, you can touch more lives, and it is one of the more complicated aspects of a real estate transaction. So I applaud you for making. We're glad you made that transition. But let's talk a little bit then. So you you got in the mortgage business, uh, and then at some point, and, and I remember your story correctly. We've talked about this before. You had the vision to want to own your own company. Is that correct?
8: well i you know i did and and for some reason it was interesting back in those days and back in the mid mid now mid to late eighties um you know you you didn't have the uh you didn't have the financial uh the the capital requirements anywhere near you you do today so it was easier to be a mortgage banker versus a mortgage broker. Uh, back in those days, it was much easier. Right. So uh, early on, uh, a group—me and, and four other um, gentlemen who were who were older than me—I was, the, believe it or not, I was the baby of the group back then. <laughs> got together, we we pulled all our money together, uh, and we were we were able to get FHA approval and become a correspondent mortgage banker. Um, so, from an early age, within three years of, of being in the mortgage banking business, David, I found myself as a minority owner of a company. So, uh, there was a there was a seven year period uh, before I came um, I came to make a switch to to Union Home that I was a, a minority owner of a startup independent mortgage banking company. For those seven years. Uh, I got a a Harvard, you know, <laughs> master's education yeah. on the business side of the business.
1: Yeah. Um,
8: so early on, I was very fortunate uh, to to as I was building my loan officer career. I also got a taste of what it was like um, uh, to run the business side of the business of the mortgage business, and I, I really um, I just enjoyed that. And I think without that opportunity, which came to me at a very young age. Um, you know, just out of sheer luck, I probably wouldn't
4: wouldn't have been in the
8: position in 1997 and 1998 to actually purchase and, and restart Union Home
1: Mortgage. So, so when you made that transition, and it's easier said than done because there are there are complexities about the mortgage banking business, especially being you know HUD-approved correspondent lender. What were some of the challenges that you found you had to overcome? Were there any particular areas that come to mind? going back to those old well days.
8: you know back, back in those days you know the the industry was much more bank dominated uh, today it's it's more of a, a level playing field but back in those days it, it was even more bank dominated. So really it was just resources and, and you really didn't know it at the time and you didn't feel it at the time because you do the best with what you have. Uh, and, and it was a much less complicated business than it is today. Right. Uh, but it was just, you know, it, it really was just putting really good people around you that were committed and as committed as you to the industry and as committed to our customers.
4: That's a great uh,
8: That's it. And, and just doing things the right way uh, and taking care of customers in, a, in an even uh, and fair manner and, and being responsible and, and, and having responsible underwriting and lending uh, and in being just an honest broker uh, sort of speak to the realtor community uh, and the customers. so really just surrounding yourself uh, with with people that had the same level of passion as you did um, you know for the business and um, and I think some people back then felt a little more comfortable in smaller type entities than the right. larger right uh, and and so we were very attractive um, to to those folks at that point, that was really the start of of what we built today.
1: So you have been very fortunate. Some would say lucky, but I don't believe luck. Luck. The definition of luck is. Preparation met with opportunity, and I think one of the things that you did, Bill, is or have a reputation of, is attracting really good talent. I have the privilege of working with some of your people now, and I've talked to Al numerous times. Uh, and, and you have surrounded yourself with some really key people. And it sounds to me that's what you're saying is the key, or one of the keys to the reason you have been successful throughout your journey. Is that right?
8: It, it is, David. And not, and one of the things we we made. Um, for many years, we made it a point uh, to not take uh, dollars off the table. So, in other words, we we continued slowly to reinvest uh, to reinvest our capital back into the company. Uh, we were able um, a few years back uh, we were able to get um, you know Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac approval, in uh, Jenny Mae approval, which was very important. Right. And as you continue to grow the balance sheet in a responsible way. Um, and the company gets larger, and I tell people, you know, when you have a, a snowball in it as a kid and it's small, and you roll the hell out of it, it's still small. <laughs> uh, but when you when it, when it starts to get just when it starts to get uh, a, a little bit of size to it, and you still roll it uh, really fast, well, it, it starts to get larger faster.
7: Uh-huh.
8: And I think that's what happened to us and a lot of other. Uh, independent mortgage bankers, but now you realize that that you really need uh, you need world class people in every area of the operation, in underwriting, uh, in 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 processing, in compliance, in IT, as you mentioned, Al Blank, and senior management, in accounting, in secondary. Um, so you realize that that over time and as your business grows and matures, you need top notch. Uh, world-class talent and people, um, so, and, and all over your all over your company.
3: So here's the big question:
1: easier said than done. How have you? What are the keys that if you were sitting down and talking to a small group of mortgage bankers that had just launched their business and are wanting to grow? What have been the keys for you to find the right people, the world-class people that you're talking about?
8: You know, I. You know, I, I think you—you, you, you know, first of all, you got to define your company culture. You got to define yeah. what you believe in. And and David, this is this is what you coach and teach. Um, you, you know, no one's better at it in, in, the, in the mortgage banking business than you are. Uh, this is you know, this is really preaching to the choir. But you you've got to you've got to be able to clearly articulate and, and then live your company culture and I think when you when you do that piece by piece, person by person, you will you will attract the people um, that have the same vision and commitment that you do um, and I think in the end of the day as leaders of organizations, um, your whatever your true heart is and whatever your true soul is uh, will be seen, uh, for what it is, uh, by by the people that you, that you attract, and I think when you when you have that vision, um, and you you live every day as true to that vision as you can, um, and you work real hard, you will attract the people um, that that should be in your
1: life. And it's uh, so true. Yeah, you know, and I think a big part I want to think of. I've got a lot of things going through my head. Is uh, that the part about vision? But the key component of vision is values, and that is something that is unique, I believe, to the CEO. And 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 how did you how did you articulate the values in, and turn them into a well articulated vision? Is it something where did you journal a lot? Did it just come to you? How would you advise someone to identify that, or is it there already and people just need to call it out for what it is?
8: Yeah. So you know, it's a great question. So the genesis for us, uh, and this goes back about 12 years ago, is we started to build the company. Uh, we had uh, people here that felt really great about who we are, what we are, and, and it, it felt like a family. And a group of them walked into my office and said, "Bill, we're we're starting to grow the company, and we're we're hiring people that I'm not sure." See the world, treat customers, treat each other the way we do, and we we want to grow the company we're committed to doing that, but yet we don't want to lose the culture. so what I right. did I went home this is I went home over the weekend, and i I put together what's a ten point code of conduct, and I said, if somebody walked in the door uh on Monday, and that was their first day on the job at Union Home Mortgage. What, what, who we are, how we treat each other, first as partners, and, and I really believe more important than the customer, more important than the customer, more important than the referral source. What's more important is is how we interact and treat each other as okay. as people and professionals, uh, because in the end of, end of the day, what, whatever you project in the customer service you have, is is really based on the synergy. Uh, of, of each individual's uh, relationship with each other. So what we did, David, is we put together a 10-point code of conduct 12 years ago, which is a basis of how we treat each other uh, as people and employees. And that basis has, has been almost our declaration of independence, uh, and that code of conduct has been the, the genesis, it was the beginning, uh, of, of what is today defined as the code of culture. That's what we did. We put together a 10-point uh, code, and I, you've seen it, and, and that's that's the basis uh, of who we are. And when people see that, and they talk to you know 50 people here at the company, and they know that we we, we do our ultimate to live to that every day, Um, And and if they're attracted to it, they want to be part of it. And that that was a start for us.
3: I think it, it,
1: it provides a compass for the whole organization. And I think that's why it's so important to identify your values and identify your vision and then be able to document it, put it up somewhere so everyone sees it. And write down the vision and make it clear as a wise... Uh, verse that I quote all the time so that's very very good I could spend a whole podcast just talking about that because it's one of my favorite topics but let's go on and talk about some of the things related to the difficulties along the journey where were those points? Was it operational issues learning secondary marketing? was it the accounting? I mean there's so many aspects, and like one said one someone said, you know mortgage banking isn't exactly rocket science, but it isn't it, there's some complexities to it, and it certainly has become more complex with all the regulatory new regulations we have in here. so talk to those areas where you said, you know Dave, it was going well, we struggled. We, we did we hit the ball the ball out of the park when it came to sales, but when it came to these areas, I struggled. And I wonder if those areas are common to others. If you could comment to that, because you certainly have talked to a lot of other mortgage bankers.
8: Yeah, we, we have. So, I, you know, the, the struggles are, are, are almost all over. So you, um, as, a, as an independent mortgage banker, um, you, somewhere along the line, as you, if you're successful enough, you're you're going to grow the company beyond your level of expertise right mm-hmm. you 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 know that it's a goal it's actually a goal to grow your business beyond your level of expertise and for yeah, me a good goal. yeah it, it's a great goal and and for me um you know that area for sure was operationally so you you want to bring in uh wonderful people that that can move the manufacturing and and continually Uh, break down and try to perfect the manufacturing part of the business. You have to bring in tremendous technology people um, uh, to move the business forward. Um, I I didn't really, when it came to um, the capital markets piece of the business, um, being born and raised as a correspondent lender, uh, there's a world of capital markets um, that, that you really, it's a level of expertise you don't have, so you have to bring that in. And what we tell people is as we bring them to the company if we bring them in a management role um, we tell them that sooner we're going to build to your left we're going to build to your right we're going to build below you and there'll be a day there'll be a day that we build above you Um, and and that's all part of that's all part of growth so I think the the, there's always struggle there and you're always trying to look at uh, each department for what it is, and, and attempt to always sort of in a, in a good, positive way. And if, you, if you've got a team, uh, the team knows when you need more talent um, at, at a higher level. They know that. And a lot of times when you have that conversation with them, um, they're, they're actually hoping for you to have that conversation with right. them. Um, so it's you know w- with that it, it really takes um, honesty it takes at times brutal honesty but the only way you can have those brutally honest conversations is is if there's there's years uh, of, of love and respect uh, that is the base in professional respect it's the basis of that relationship
4: and then I think
8: as a is a company, you can have open and honest conversations. And, and for me, um, that's what it's all about. But the struggle, you know, Dave, the struggle has always been there um, in, in, in a lot of different ways. It, but you just gotta have honesty. And if you do that, and if you, you have that as part of your culture, your people really respond to that. And uh, uh, people like to work in that environment.
1: So how did you go from transitioning a good loan originator, which you were, a very successful one, uh, which has a certain sense of control? You want to be able to control the transaction. The better the loan originator, the better that tendency to control. control. But that can almost be work against you when running a business. How did you make that transition to really turn over the control, let's say, in operations, underwriting, any one of those areas where you started having some growth pains, what were the keys to turning over that control? And because I think that's the number one thing, I think a lot of the the ones that I'm consulting to struggle with. They want to stay involved, and they're working in areas they're not necessarily good at, but they just can't give up the control. What are the keys for you to give up the keys of control?
8: Yeah, it's really as I said earlier, it's really it's really honesty. You you've got to be honest with yourself, um, and you've got to look to your look at yourself in the mirror, and and look at your company in the mirror. Honestly, and and have just great people around you, um, that can that can also be honest. And I think for me, what what I've been—it's—it's it's kind of funny. Part of the part of the ingredients of success, and you won't read this—you uh, know—the best—you uh, know—the best of the best of, of how to build a business by by Harvard Business School. But but for me, um, I've been incredibly stubborn in our culture, incredibly stubborn of of what our code of conduct and how we're going to treat each other. Um,
4: And we're
8: incredibly stubborn when it comes to we're going to be honest to each other uh, in a very loving, respectful way and honest to our customers. Um, And that is what I'm stubborn about. Outside of that, I need professionals uh, in every area of our business that that have an expertise. If you're going to grow a company into hundreds and then thousands of employees, you have to have um, you've got to have executives at your level in every aspect of the company. And then it's it's amazing when you have those great people and you give them um, you know you always you always keep you know you always got both hands on the wheel, but if you give them um the ability to 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 run they're going to take you places that you can never go so i knew as is the owner of the company and where i came from is is a loan officer i i really carved out my swimming lane and i carved out dave what was not negotiable um and then after that you have got to to surround yourself yeah you got it you got to stick to it uh and if you get the right people around you after a while, it's easier to stick to it. I'll tell you this: we've got almost a thousand people now. There's, there's and there's many IMBs. There's many of my IMBs out there that have fifteen hundred, two thousand. There's many IMBs that that I am friends with that, that I admire uh, for what they've done. But I'll, I'll tell you this: um, my my job and my happiness is is better today at a thousand employees than it was at. 250 because at 250 I didn't have the ability, I I didn't have the resources to hire impact people and today we do and so I'll tell somebody an IMB who's out there with with two three four hundred employees if you and you're you're pulling your hair out right if you do it right if you do it right especially on the compliance piece uh, you've got to have world-class people that understand compliance and it's got to be drilled into the culture of your company where it's respected. Um, it's got to be balanced but but it's got to also be respected. but I will I will yeah. tell you that my life today, the thousand employees is better than it was at 300. So I would tell anybody um, if you always at night you're thinking about gosh can I, can I afford that salary? Can I afford that impact operational person? My advice to them, is do it
4: do it today
8: don't wait six months because if you if you wait you're only you're only harming your business that's a good
1: point really good point i want love to get into millennials we actually had you do a podcast on that and i'll have my producer put a link in the write-up for this podcast uh about that what you did there but i want to wrap it up with this i mean it i can't believe how fast uh the time goes and uh, we'll be, uh, by the time we play this, we'll be getting close to the end of the program. I think a lot of people are saying, what is the outlook? Bill, you've grown your business during a particularly robust time. I can hear someone saying if they're listening there, they'd want to hold up their hands and say, Bill, you built your business during some of the best times for this industry to grow an independent mortgage banker. And I can refute some of that, but let's talk about the future for those that may think, is the future going to be as strong for independent mortgage bankers? And I want to get your response. I'll give you my thoughts afterwards. I think we're in the same place. But give me your thoughts.
8: Yeah. So, I, so I think you know. We all know. You know. We've been, gosh, we've been in the business for years. So yes. we've seen the cycles, right? And, and I think we're we're entering a cycle where I use the I use the musical chairs where I think when, the, when there, there's more there, you know there's more rear ends than there are seats today
1: possibly <laughs> yep. right right yep. right yep.
8: so somebody's going to fall on the floor um, so we we've we've all dealt with this before and I think in the end you cannot you got to stick to the fundamentals you cannot um, you know you cannot greatly reduce your underwriting. Uh, Criteria, that's dangerous. We all know that you got to stick to responsible lending Um, uh, You got to have both hands on the wheels financially Um, And and the fundamentals David are are the fundamentals and and I think if you if you stick to the fundamentals and And you do what's right um, And you double down on your people, you know, we cannot we can't affect Um, where rates are going we never could control that uh, and we can't control how many homes are purchased in America however we I, I look at the one of the things I've loved about mortgage banking my whole career is I you know, I have a passion. The one thing I've I've played my whole life and my dad took me out when I was ten years old. Um, my score doesn't indicate it, but I've played golf my whole life. And the beauty <laughs> is you know, you pay attention to the people you play with
0: yeah. and you may
8: pick up some tips from the people you respect. Um and if someone's a real good player you watch a little closer. But at the end of the day, winning and losing on the golf course is really looking in the mirror and how well you perform that day. Yes. Um so in the end, I look at it and say, it's really a matter of, as a company, how well we performed uh, that day and did we get better. Um, and then from there, you just let the chips fall where they may when it comes to the marketplace. And I think in the end, if you take that approach um, and, and you, you keep an eye on the people you respect and you learn from them, uh, and we've done that, there's just there's some great IMBs out there, there's some great banking executives, with my time in the MBA, I'm really, you know, more than anything, my service to the MBA, which which really was an honor to do, um, I've built so many quality relationships with great uh, mortgage bankers of all types, bank, savings bank, IMBs, and, and brokers uh, across the country. Uh, I learn daily. We all learn from the ones we respect, yes. but our business is really more about how how you do individually it's really it's it's about getting better uh corporately yes. i i don't think the competition beats us in our industry one of the many things yes. i love about it i think you beat yourself yes. um when you get off course so for us it's really it's really us against the course and the course is really looking in the mirror collectively
1: that's just good comments great comments and I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to join us. I really appreciate uh, you as a leader in the industry, what you've built. I have so much respect for you personally and professionally, Bill. And I just thank you for taking some time to share your journey through this wonderful industry with uh, those that are a good number of people, an increasing number of people that are showing interest in their industry. And so thank you so much, friend. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you this afternoon. Or uh, this evening at the opening reception at the at the event looking forward to it.
8: thank you David and thanks for everything you do. Uh, you provide a tremendous service to our industry, and uh, we thank oh, you thank
1: for you. it well, I the amazing love the industry, love the people even more. Thank you so much. Have a blessed time. Look forward to seeing you here this evening and throughout this conference. Come on out everybody' I'd love to see you here at this at the independent mortgage bankers conference if it 's cold where you 're at it 's nice and warm well so it Palm, I mean, it's Palm Springs warm, so it, uh, it, we'd love to have you here and uh, even enjoy a round of golf with you if we could, and we'll get some lessons from Bill on the course. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Look forward to having you. Have a great week, and look forward to having you back on the program next week, and we'll be back with another good interview next week. Thank you, everybody.
0: This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us again next week, and thank you for listening.